0: Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'm I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Happy New Year folks, and welcome to episode number 69 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for being here. This episode is brought to you by the Strength Factory and I want you to know about their awesome new strength and training program specifically designed for you, the mountain biker. So first of all, let me ask you a few questions. When you go to the gym, are you unsure of what exercises and what sort of training you should do? Because I know I was when I wanted to get more specific in the mountain bike training side of things. Do you want to make the most out of your valuable training time? And do you want to ride faster and with more confidence from the first run to the last? Well, if so, the MTB Strength and Conditioning program is for you. Each month you will get an MTB Pacific Training plan direct to your inbox. Complete with strength programs, warm-ups, mobility, conditioning... All linked to video tutorials for all exercises and options to scale for different abilities and levels of experience. So you get everything you need to make safe, consistent and long term goals. Now here's the really exciting part about this program and this is what I love about this program. It is based around an annual UK training plan. So it builds a foundation of movement and strength in the winter before incorporating more power and conditioning in the spring. The summer's about staying fit, getting out on the bike, strong and powerful without tiring you out too much so you can ride more, enjoy your trails, get out with friends, all that awesome stuff. Now, Ben has been on the podcast before and um, he's worked with hundreds of everyday riders like you and me who simply just want to get out and have more fun riding our bikes, you know. So he knows with tons of experience what kind of workouts we should be doing to help us ...on those tough weekend climbs or to help us just enjoy our rides more. So with that in mind, Ben has designed this program to be like a long-term education on safe progressive training. Now, you will need access to a gym for this program with a barbell, some dumbbells and some space for body weight training, that kind of thing. Extra kit like a rowing machine, boxes, bands, pull-up bar, etc. are helpful but not essential... Now, for the program, it all costs just £32 per month and is covered by Ben's money back guarantee. So if you're not totally satisfied with the program, you can get your money back. It's simple and risk free. No issues. Now, Ben has very kindly offered MTB Try podcast listeners 50% off January subscriptions. Yes, that's 50% off. So, it is £16 instead of 32 for your January subscription. So to get that, simply enter the promo code TRIBESTRONG at checkout. So that's TRIBESTRONG, T-R-I-B-E-S-T-R-O-N-G, all lowercase, Enter that at checkout and the offer expires on the 31st of January 2019. So that's 50% off your January subscription. So that's just a nice little welcome package there from Ben. So thanks very much. And that's for you guys, the MTB Tribe podcast listeners. So when you subscribe, you will be sent your program direct to your inbox. With a free copy also of the MTB Mobility Program within 24 hours of registering. And again, it lasts all year, 3 12 months. So all you have to do to get the program is go to thestrengthfactory.uk, click on Programs, click on MTB Gym program uh, and you will be taken through to the page with more explanations and more descriptions and everything like that to get you started you can also go to the mtb tribe show notes and find a quick link there or visit the mtb tribe resources page where you will also find a quick link to the strength Fighters new and exciting program including a short introduction video to the program there as well it is that easy folks so head on over check it out the program works all year so you can jump in at any time and um, it really does look good I've done Ben's stuff previously so um, I know it is really really good and you should definitely check it out if you want to become that little bit fitter and faster on the trails let's get on to today's guest today we're chatting to Jack Devlin now Jack is the 2018 Ulster Elite Enduro Champion And we chat to him about that, about breaking bones, about his Vitus First Tracks race team. We chat to him about busking to ride the movie Whistler edition. And we chat to him about how he had to do that to basically get home. He had to busk to make some money to get back home from Whistler. The guy is just such a character, Um, I love Jack to pieces, he's such a good guy, and he is so fast on the trails, guys, it's unbelievable to watch him ride a bike, Um, he's got a good future ahead of him, so we chat to him about his goals for 2019, we chat to him about, as I say, his his brakes, he recently broke his wrist. At Halloween, we chat to him a wee bit about that and about how he has got over that and how the rehabilitation and stuff is going. So it's a great episode. It was great to get him on the podcast. It was well overdue. It was time we had him on. We chat to him about that, plus lots, lots more. So, folks, sit back, relax. It's the first episode of 2019. So, let me welcome Jack to the MTB Tribe podcast. Jack, welcome. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How are you, sir?
2: I am great. Great to be on the show. Uh, absolutely buzzing.
1: Thanks so much. That's <laughs> Cool. Well, I hope it gets you stoked for the trails, you know.
2: Yeah, that's it. After this broken arm, I'm ready to go. I'm um, stoked to bits.
1: Right, so cool. So this is
2: going to hype me up even more, you know.
1: <laughs> well, don't go out tonight in the dark now, you know.
2: <laughs> no. No, definitely not uh well
1: let's talk about your arm because um i remember when that happened i seen it on social media and stuff so you got the cast off today is that right
2: got the cast off today yeah still a bit of recovery to do but uh you got the cast off today so it's good to not have a big smelly arm anymore
1: (laughs) so take us through that what actually now now am i right in saying this that it happened while you were wearing a halloween mask
2: yeah true a few days before halloween uh Glenn O'Brien the legend oh dear. thought it was a there good idea to we'll make a wee Halloween video <laughs> so we had <laughs> to jump a few times we just built this thing in the quarry you know and had uh, to jump a few times and it was dead on and then stuck on the Halloween mask and just for the last final photo you know to make a classic and then well, just came up a tiny bit too short and bounced and then like I thought I'd saved it and then just as there was like an edge on the road came down onto the road and uh that was what did damage you know
1: oh man yeah well trust glenn to be involved you know what i mean
2: oh he, he, of course he had to be was uh was it
1: this i can't remember now was it that scream mask you were wearing
2: uh yeah it was it was pretty close to a scream mask i actually have it here the whole thing was smashed up so <laughs> oh. glenn gave me it as a souvenir Brilliant. it's in the house here Excellent. on the wall <laughs>
1: well i hope he drove you to the hospital
2: yeah, he did, he did, he drove me to the hospital in my car <laughs> and they, yeah, he, he, he stayed in a and everything, him and Cato stayed for a few hours and we had the crack, we didn't think it was as bad as what it was and then once we get news and he was, he was there while they were putting it back into place it was out of place and it was broken in a few spots so I can tell you that was sore and he was there videoing it and all that. but he had to cut out the video because I was doing that much screaming
1: Ay, <laughs> jiggers. And when did that happen Jack?
2: Uh, just before Halloween, a few days before Halloween. So.
1: Aye, of course. So yeah, end of October, right? Okay, so. Yeah. Aye, you've been in the cast a wee while then.
2: Yeah, eight weeks. Eight weeks. So mm-hmm. two weeks waiting to get surgery, and then surgery, and then six weeks from that.
1: Mhm. And is that the first break you've had?
2: No, I've broken my pelvis two what? years ago. Yeah, in Kilbrony, on the red trail, just doing intervals. Really? And, yeah, simple as it was, just uh, clipped my bar on a tree and landed on a rock and broke my pelvis.
1: Oh my god! And tell us about that. How? Whoa, I can't even imagine how painful was that. Oh,
2: it was unreal actually. It was a. Uh, it was one of those ones you hit the ground and it's like, oh, this is really really sore and you can't expect the pain to go away and it actually just got worse and worse and I felt, I felt my insides a bit like around that area feeling a bit sore, and I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? So I was by myself, so I just hopped onto the bike, and the pain, you can imagine, I was cycling with one leg, just trying to get back down to the mountain bike centre, like to get the ambulance, and it's Nathan McComb and all was there, and mm-hmm. Keelan Grant, and they were all laughing at me, they were going, oh, we'll see you next week in Jouse, all making jokes and everything, a little bit, I know, I'd broke oh. the pelvis.
1: Oh my word, and well... Yeah, well, I thought you were alone there the way you said you cycled back, so none of them guys was taking it serious.
2: Yeah, no, I was I was alone when I was when I, I was just doing intervals by myself and they All were right. doing uplifts, so I was alone. And once I eventually got back to the Mountain Bike Center, uh, they had called in for lunch or something and they were just there making jokes.
1: Oh wow. So you're what age are you now, Jack? Nineteen. So you were only seventeen when that happened? Yeah. Wow, and that what was the recovery like for that then?
2: Uh, it wasn't too bad. This is probably worse. Uh, it was bad for a week. It was in a, just pretty much a bed, couldn't move, and then once I kind of got up and going, I was in crutches for a while, and then it wasn't too bad. Like, the recovery time was actually near enough shorter than this. Mm-hmm. I was back on a bike in two months. So, whereas wow. this, I'll probably not get back on the mountain bike. Like, I've been out on the road bike there with the cast and all, but... I'll be back in the road bike and, or a mountain bike until February
0: time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Aye, well, I know, I know, I kind of know how that feels um, myself. So <laughs> um, not good. No, not nice at all. But it makes I you hungry a, though. Aye, and and that's what I was wanting to say. It, do you, is it the pelvis thing at such a young age? Did that deter you or anything?
2: No, it didn't. I was actually it was one of those things I was leading all the series I was leading the Downhill series I was leading the Northern series and the Gravity Enduro series and all I had to do was show up to the last event of each of those rounds and I would have won all I had to do was show up and I couldn't have showed up to any of them Uh, and I didn't win any series like so that was a big bummer and it just it did motivate me into the next year but it took it it does take a wee while to get your confidence back and that like but
1: yeah yeah, I would. No, say-
2: definitely didn't turn me away. The first thing I think about was when I injured myself—is like, when can I get back on the bike?
1: Aye, it's funny that, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm sure. I'm sure the first time you were on the bike, it was a wee bit nerve wracking, to be honest.
2: Yeah, that's it. You have to ease into it. You can't just go crazy at the start, you know.
1: Aye. Because I was talking to J Mike, and he'd done his collarbone. Um, but J Mike, being J Mike, of course, he just went straight on back into a hell for leather, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you do stir yourself <laughs> and you go, going, oh, I don't think I can do this. But I'm lucky enough, this is, J-Mac broke his, I think, back in the middle of the summertime where everyone's flat out and racing's at its peak. So luckily enough, I'll be back on a bike, you know, deep, pretty deep winter, like, just coming mm. out of winter sort of thing. So it's it's not the worst yeah. time, you know? Yeah, cool. Well,
1: let's chat a wee bit about your racing and stuff, but um, because at the minute you're... You're the Ulster Elite Enduro Champion of 2018, aren't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely stoked at that. That's a career highlight for me. It's just even that's my first year being, first year being elite. Mm-hmm. So last year was junior still, and I'm still I'm junior under 21. But yeah, it's coming out of the under 18. So absolutely stoked at that the first year of elite. Like it was.
1: Ah, that that was cool. And you were up against Nathan and J Mike, and you were up yeah, against yeah. them guys, weren't you? Yeah
2: and everything yeah yeah so, uh, so
1: this the student has become the teacher eh?
2: well almost almost <laughs> not quite still a lot to learn but getting there
1: all right cool well let's let's chat a wee bit about how you get into mountain biking because you're still a young man so when did you get on the bike at the start
2: so it was actually my uncle that uh, inspired me to get into the mountain bike so I did he had raced motocross for a few years and he was pretty good. He was a great uh, motocross racer, and I was—I was, I was from a wee lad. All my old wee books and all in school all said like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I am like Ricky Carmichael, <laughs> Bob just all motocross racers. And then uh, he had moved to Whistler actually, and he was just going on. And at this time, all the trails had opened up in Kilbrony. And to be honest, I wasn't getting out in the motocross bike that much because it was so expensive. Like I'd save for ages to get a motocross bike, and then was never getting to ride it. Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, "Why don't you just get a mountain bike?" There's all these class trails open up there in Cabroni, and that's exactly what I did then, and just loved it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And is that the local? Is that your local?
2: Cabroni's a yeah closest place to me. I'm mm-hmm. sort of in, I'm in Hilltown, in between uh, Tollymore and Cabroni.
1: Aye, right. and what age so, were you then when you got your mountain bike?
2: uh four, 13 or 14 14 i think maybe so you want... know, well, 13 or 14
1: i think yeah right okay and had you any motocross experience before that at all
2: yeah yeah i did like one or two races and so it was a it was it was a easy enough transition and obviously as a young kid i was always flat out in bikes just building ramps and doing whatever all my friends used to just think me think of me as a crazy kid, like, I wasn't as, nowhere near as bad as Nathan, like, I was just sort of, <laughs> I'd be doing the odd no-hander down the street, like, and I'd uh-huh. <laughs> be the height of it, a few jumps, not the bunny hopping on back wheels and <laughs> mm-hmm. up onto fences, like.
1: Uh, Nathan's amazing, he's, he's some rider, hey?
2: Yeah, crazy, isn't he? Yeah,
1: crazy. yeah, totally. Well, it's funny, because, um, J-Mac came from the motocross thing, as you know, um, and he said when I had him on the podcast, he was chatting about that the speed was there, so he just had to get used to
2: yeah the the roots yes. sort of thing. That's the the, the, the terrain tightness. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you find that as well?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like I wasn't. Uh, I, I, I was definitely a lot more brave, probably than I should have been. Like I was wasn't afraid to let the the bike go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wasn't afraid to go fast. I would say like so. Yeah. Yeah, that was it, and then I did my first race within a few, uh, pretty much two months of getting my first proper mountain bike, um, which was the place and Fire Games, which Glenn hosted, and then I think I ended up second at that, and then that was me like, oh hey, <laughs> pro man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, totally.
1: And what was your first bike?
2: Uh, an Iron Horse. Uh, uh, ah. It was like a free ride, it was a Kuzar or something, I think I picked it up. It was actually me and my uncle went down. He was home for a while. We went down to Dublin, picked up this bike for maybe it was four hundred quid or something. Yeah. Sold the motocross bike, and that's what sort I of got.
1: Wow, wow! And so, did you have any friends that rode at that time, Jack, or were you kind of just going out in your own? Uh,
2: no, uh, just for uh, guys that I'd heard about. It was guys in a secondary school said they used to do it, and they mm-hmm. used to there used to be a money scalper or something, but they didn't have mountain bikes anymore. And that was the only thing i've really heard of um and then i actually i went out with them one or two days like brought them out and they borrowed my bike and all that kind of stuff for the crack but no not really there wasn't yeah. anyone around my area that did it
1: yeah cool well it, it's you've become you've come very far in a very short period of time um and I think J-Mac was like that as well when he got on the bike. And Nathan, I think, as well, to be honest, because he came from like a, a trials background.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, that's it. Once you have the, the like, a good base there, then it seems to be easier to to progress in, really, I, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And am I right in saying that you started actually racing downhill?
2: Yeah, I started racing downhill um, for a few years. That's all and I was, I was actually pretty against enduro for a while. I remember Glenn had started the series, and Glenn was like, Is it, would it have been racing with Glenn and all, would have had the crack with him back then, and then he started the enduro series. And actually, it was, I, was building, I helped Glenn build one of the trails for the IDMSs, and I think that's how I got to know him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then when I had the crack, and he's like, come on, try one of these enduros, and it was East Coast Adventure loaned me a hardtail, and I did my first Enduro in big one, and I hated it. <laughs> I was like, pedaling up hills, this is crap. <laughs> Little day no, I going to love that. Uh-huh.
1: And was that a proper downhill bike?
2: Um, no, yeah, so my first bike was, uh, it was more like a free ride yeah. sort of bike. And then I think I got, I joined East Coast Adventure with Jennifer Cummins and Mark Cummins and that. And we, Chris was only a kid, and he was doing his first race in Scotland. And I had been working for them, and then I just went with them uh, over to Scotland to do a race, and I ended up winning it, getting fastest time of the day or something, wow. and they were like, oh, you, you, we're going to make a team, we're going to make a team, and then we <laughs> really made a team, and uh, they had lo- pretty much, I paid some towards a bike, so only other bike paid towards that, and then worked, worked for Jennifer and Mark, and just paid off the rest of the bike, so and it was a nuke-proof pulse or something, mm-hmm. and that was me in the downhill. But I couldn't erase that in enduro, so they loaned me one of the higher bikes. Yeah, to, to race and then.
0: I
1: because I, I was going to say if you were pedalling uphill on a downhill bike, um
2: would <laughs> oh. <not> struggle. <laughs> oh, you'd be in bits. You'd be in bits.
1: <laughs> so when did you decide then to actually move to enduro? Um,
2: it was. After my second year with East Coast Adventure, it was it was actually it was quite hard for me because i I only had the downhill bike, and I just loved riding my bike. But I was just doing uplifts every weekend in Strava. I was kind of just doing the same thing over and over, and I was like, I didn't I didn't see as much progression as I wanted, and I just I would have preferred to being able to cycle or you know get out on the bike more.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And it was actually Roscoe that convinced me to transfer over and he managed to sort me out a deal with Vitus and that then. So because awesome. I, I could I couldn't have two bikes, you know, it was one or the other. And if I wanted to race downhill I would have to just get a downhill bike and if I wanted to I couldn't really do it on the enduro. So it's just like right, we'll give it a go and see how it goes. It's only gonna make me fitter and a better rider. And I was sort of half guessing
0: mm-hmm. whenever
2: I did it. And then once I did it then I was I was stoked. to trained really hard that year with Roscoe. Um which was amazing and that gave me a good good really good stepping stone on to like just managed to win loads of races that year and then everything was great after that you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah and was that 2000 and what when would that have been 2016
2: that would have been yeah the, i was 17 so
1: yeah. yeah aye, very good and then in 2017 you got a ews wildcard
2: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, how did I get that? Oh, because I did the EWS in Ireland that year and I came 11th. And I was always my first season racing in Enduro. And then I put my application in for the wildcard and managed to get it. So I was classed because there's only, what, 20 people in the world that get selected for that. So
1: Yeah, that's crazy. So, what does that actually do? Tell us about that.
2: That just makes you eligible pretty much for all all the entries. It means you've qualified because I had no points to qualify and I didn't mm-hmm. have the EWS license. You need like a special EWS license to get the certain points, but I didn't have them as I didn't really know about it. And it was my first year uh, racing enduro. So then um, somehow I managed to get selected. So I was stoked on that.
1: Amazing. That's very good. Um. So, cool. tell us about your 2018 season then, because it was a very good one for you. I think you took all bar one of the five stages to win the under-21 category, didn't you?
2: In, which one was that? In
1: in the Ulster. Um,
2: oh, yes. So, yeah, this year, pretty much.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: All bar, yeah, bar one, I think. Is it Nathan beat me in one of them? I think it was, like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was still it was close. Glen was just like right behind me until the last stage he had crashed. But it, I think it ended up being I had won by ten, 10 just under ten seconds or something. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember sitting at the top of the last one going Ah, I think I think the boys are going to be close to me here. And I was I was like, but I don't know how close. I think I might because I had a good day and I knew I sort of had a good day. And I was just wondering how close it would the be. And I was like, do I go all out or? do i just ride it steady and um, i was just like friggin we'll go all out might as well and just went all out and managed to get a good uh, good lead after that stage i think i won by five seconds on the last stage or something
1: yeah and were you taking it easy just so you wouldn't crash basically was that your thinking
2: yeah i was thinking that you know so we didn't throw it all away but yeah um yeah, no, I just went for the go for adoption.
1: <laughs> Aye, well, sometimes you're better. So you know, sometimes if you if you go down a notch, you can make silly mistakes. You don't concentrate yeah, yeah, exactly. as much or something. You know, you're
2: not as focused. Yeah, as
1: and and where was that last race at? Uh,
2: on the bins, on the bins, and bins one, I think it was in the shower. Aye, so that
1: that's a that's quite a hard one, isn't it? it's quite a bit yeah
2: it's a pretty downhilly track yeah
1: yeah yeah. wow yeah ok so no wonder your legs were spent after that <laughs> I
2: know done in yeah, it was a good, good day though just kept the pace up actually I remember just I was just horsing on because the boys were on behind and I was just like just kind of trying to get in the zone and stuff it's all mm-hmm. like that's what made me realise it is all about your mindset really uh, when, you're, when it comes to racing like your mind is probably the biggest thing like
1: yeah i I think so and it's I know I don't really race to be honest but I know for me I go into corners kind of too hard and then lose all my speed and you know I'm coming out too slow and it's it's just keeping that flow and keeping just keeping the tempo up or, you yeah know, yeah
2: that's it just keeping your tempo. Yeah, yeah. But especially when it comes to enduro, it's all I sort of feel like it's tempo, tempo, tempo the whole time. And
1: mm, mm. and, and what's it like some of the guys? You know, because you've Glenn there, and you know Nathan and all, and and Roscoe and all the guys there. Like, you're a really tight that team? It, it just must be like a day out for you as guys. Yeah, right? it
2: is. It's just a load of crack, you know. Um, <laughs> it is. I know. We just have absolute blast and ride. Even if if you, I've had bad days, even Tullymore, I think was a bad day. And I remember just having a blast the whole time, like, mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah.
2: there's never really, a, there's never a bad day out in the bikes, really. What no,
1: I, I could understand it with, with uh, I know looking at the social posts and all those guys put up, it's always, um, it's always an outing for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just love it. I wouldn't, uh, just best thing ever, <laughs> riding bikes. Aye. So.
1: classic classic well tell us a wee bit about the EWS then in 2018 Jack because you were in Austria you were in Italy you were in Canada tell us a wee bit about those those areas
2: yeah there, although this year EWS didn't go as well because like, last year was pretty good EWS ways I got a 9th and an 11th 2017 that was mm-hmm. and like, there was a couple other alright results in there but then this year I think my best result was only 18th or something in Canada mm-hmm. but um, yeah so the first one it started off really good it was a, the, right after Strava, and I was sitting 7th that was um, Austria was it? that was Austria yeah right ok it was pretty wet and mucky like what's probably suited the Irish or, and the English like. but um, yeah I was sitting 7th and I was absolutely buzzing because I didn't even expect that off myself you know mhm and then I ended up getting a front puncture, which set me back like, to mm-hmm. near last, because they thought I was closer. It was a really long stage. And I thought I was closer to the bottom than I was, and I just decided to start running down the hill, and I remember falling over, and everything hurting my ankle <laughs> <laughs> down the hill with the bike, and I'd, not, I'd cut it, I'd add it on about eight, seven, eight minutes on the my time, so it was way back then. Mm-hmm. i was back near i thought i got a second last or something my name the next day the next day it was good as well you know i had good stage results i had a couple of like 10th and 11th and stuff on the second day and then i think yeah 11th and something else mm-hmm. and then but that that brought me back up to, i think it was 20 23rd or something
1: yeah yeah and i can remember that race that race was really wet
2: Oh, yeah, it was. It was crazy. Up to the
1: cranks, like.
2: Yeah, it was nuts coming through rivers and stuff. Everyone was just, every, a lot of people were having a bad day, you know, but, it like, it was the same for everyone, so. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely, it was a hard one. It was very physical as well. I remember that. I remember it just being super tough, like, paddling up the hills and everything. Everyone yeah. lost it
1: oh crazy now so what was your support like for that race what about gear and changing the tyres and all that kind of stuff had you any kind of support was, was Vetus help, helping you there or
2: no not really It's sort of uh, um just I went over with Joe Ward actually so that was right and we just you kind of just bring whatever you can but there's only so many things you can fit you because you have to get your bike bag under depending who you're flying with sometimes it's under 28 kgs and sometimes it's 32 when it's 32 kgs you can work a bit more but like Mm -hmm. that usually only means you can bring like two tires or whatever and um whatever spurs you can really you just kind of have to be careful it's like you can't really well you can bring cranks and all that kind of stuff but and so the heavier stuff you have to kind of watch because um, even your tools and stuff as well, it's just hard yeah, to find totally. tools. And it, yeah. it, the one in Austria was actually in the middle of nowhere, really. There was nothing around, so it was, there wasn't much to mm-hmm. get, get your stuff for your bike. Like.
1: Yeah, and I take it Keelan and all was at that race.
2: Yeah, he was at that race. But he's with the CRC crew. Like, um, Yeah, so
1: it's a different kind of scenario. Yeah, yeah,
2: you don't want to be... Bulging into it too much, like although we do go over and have the crack, like but you, you, you don't want to be an asshole and being going over and asking them for spur this or spur max or whatever <laughs> to be nice little page if you ripping your head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, yeah, it, it's weird, but I thought there might be a wee bit more community between you because you are basically sponsored between reaction yourself in a way.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, uh, that yeah there. They are, they are very helpful, like if you're stuck, they, I would I would say they would definitely go beyond to sort you out, but it's more so the thing you do, you just don't want to be torturing people's heads, you know? Yeah. It's a small community, yeah. you know, if you're walking over and you're going, and someone's going, oh, not this boy again, that's <laughs> it, <laughs> you, you don't want that vibe, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, so that was okay, so was it on to Italy after Austria then, is that right?
2: On to Italy, yeah. It was a funny one as well, it was, it was really Drew Armstrong and Emmett, I remember the first day again it was, it was quite wet, I actually seemed to do alright this year in the wet, and uh, there was some crazy tracks, it was just so steep, it was like flat at the top, kind of pedally, and then just went into the steepest, most gnarly stuff I've ever rode in my life, wow. and you we were absolutely cream crackered, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, I remember catching the boys a few times, like it was, uh, but it was, in fairness, it was Drew's 1st first, and first it lesson. That was a deep one to get into. And it, but he picked it up big time on the second day. And then it was, for me, I ended up getting loads of mistakes. I was stoked on the first day. I think it was 13th or something. I was going, this is great again. And the second day, I had a crash on the first stage of the second day. And then last stage, I had a clothesline by the tape. And it actually went into my helmet and it, complete, it like cut either side of my mouth, and what? the tape didn't snap. I remember it, like oh, it, it oh, would up around the wheel and everything. I was trying to, like... Um, get it out and everything and there was just like a marshal at the other set like just trying to hold on to one of the poles because it was completely ripped out and it was like across the track and he was like dragging it i was like it's still attached to me <laughs> <laughs> It's stuck in my teeth <laughs> yeah so that was a really weird one never had that experience before the tape over there didn't seem to want to snap oh. uh, so then that was that over i, I was, it was really close racing there as well and it put me back to 20 second or so but um, yeah, still happy with, you know, there was positives there. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: then Whistler was the next one. Whistler was great actually, but it was super tight racing. There was loads of fast, fast dudes there. Um loads of locals, you know. Yeah, I
1: can but understand that.
2: It was uh, it was eighteenth I ended up, but then um I it was top I think it got top seventy overall or in and around there, maybe seventy seventy second or Overall, so that's one of my best results uh, overall, wise, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, or, and what, had you been to Whistler before, Jack? I had been to Whistler before, yeah, because as I said, my uncle yeah. lives with her. So uh, it's really handy for me. That's like doing a European one for me because he puts me up and all that kind of stuff. And he's quite handy with the bikes as well. So Man, Whistler's a great awesome one for me. It's uh, quite lucky that way.
1: Yeah, and what do you think of Whistler Amazing.
2: all around? you know, yeah? Yeah, I absolutely love the vibe there. It's so good. Um, you know, it's chilled out, now and then you're just hitting laps of a And the only thing is, uh, the party in there is too good. <laughs> Although, you know, <laughs> there's a load of Irish boys over there, and they're always just out. Like you, you, there's all those different events and stuff, and there's always there's a night out for every every event nearly. So you, it's it's hard to stay away from it. But uh,
0: aye.
1: And is that done? Is the EWS round there at the same time as Crankworks? Is it?
2: Yeah, no, that's it. It is. It's It's all Crankworks. Yeah.
1: Aye, yeah, yeah. So that's nuts. So everybody's there.
2: Everyone's there. Wow. Great. Class, just the best, fun ever. You know, you just go to watch up and watch the Pump Track World Championships and just have a crack with a load of lads and then, or whip-offs or whatever, and then just go hit a load of laps of airline and see how big you can get your whips. <laughs> Just <laughs> the best fun.
1: Yeah, and is uh, well, I know it's busy there, but when you're up the mountain and on the trails, is it busy?
2: Uh, yeah, it is definitely a crankworks time. Uh, it can be pretty busy, but mm. the week before and if you're there the week after, it's it's not too bad. Like you, you can deal with it. It's more so the queues. Queues can be a bit long sometimes, but it's not too bad. You know, it's it. Yeah. The people make the vibe, so you're not really complaining.
1: No. And do they ride... Can you ride the bike on the Blackcomb side of Whistler as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, but you have to pedal up. And that's that's where one of my favourite trails is. Well, a few of them. There's one called Dark Crystal up there, and it's so good. But it takes you about two hours to pedal up. Well, that's what oh. I, I used to pedal. I mean, actually, last year, I got stuck in Whistler. <laughs> not a bad <laughs> place to be stuck, like, but... Long story short, I got stuck in Whistler and I had to busk to make my way home.
1: Right, so this is your movie. This is the wee this movie? Is, thing. Yeah, the
2: Busk to Ride movie. That was based around that and I had to busk to make my way home. Thankfully, I, the, uh, the Canadians are generous when it comes to throwing money. <laughs>
1: well, I wanted to ask you about that because that is an awesome movie. So, was that. I thought that was put on for the movie. So, you did actually have to busk to get some cash.
2: Yeah, no, I had a bus because I was just short. Um, the way it worked, my auntie's an air hostess, so I had flew into San Francisco, and the ticket was her, with her, but on the way there, I was didn't have shoe-shoes. Like, I had goodies on, but the rule is, you, if you're on standby, you have to wear shoe-shoes, and I didn't bring that, and they missed. They wouldn't let me on the flight, so then I missed the transfer really? flight. Yeah, missed the transfer flight that I was meant to get, Um over and that cost me like 300 quid to book it for the next day then and because it was standby and i was never too sure of what flight it was getting back and um, i had to i had to book the flight once i knew that i could get on a certain flight so i had to wait the, like a few days before so uh, I then I was like, oh, I'm 300 quid short now for the trip because it had all budgeted out. And I was like, right, what am I going to do? And I just went over anyway. I was like, I'm not going to miss out on this trip. I thought I'd get something sorted, but I didn't. But I, luckily I brought my guitar, so I was just busking mm. every day getting <laughs> <laughs> get my 300 quid back.
1: So how did the movie come about? Did it come out of, about off the back of that or had you yeah, planned yeah, to do the movie much. anyway?
2: Yeah. It was me and Glenn sat down. We were like, right, we're, we're going to make a, a movie each. So me, me, Nathan and Glenn all had a, a, a kind of a video to make throughout the year. And uh, my, I wanted to tie mine in with the music a bit. And mm-hmm. that was the kind of idea. But the idea was just to do it at home. And then I, I was thinking about my story and all. I was like, oh, I might as well do it in Whistler. And I was just sitting on the chairlift. And I ended up chatting to this guy who was a videographer. And he was like, yeah, yeah, oh hook me up anytime you want to do a video, and all. That. I was like, actually, I've got this idea, <laughs> and just told him the idea, and then he was, he was like, yeah, let's do it. So that's how that happened. Wow, that is unreal. <laughs> yeah, it's that's good. Great. It's a, the importance of talking to people, or the things you can get out of just having a conversation with someone.
1: That's yeah, well, great. that's it. That's it. Because I was wondering who I actually thought it was a Vitus thing. You know, that they had taken the footage and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, no, no, it was just uh, uh, Vitus had kind of provided the the funds to do it. And yeah. And that was it. He just had to throw the videographer uh, a few quid, and they sorted that out, which was glass.
1: Wow. So how long did that take to film?
2: Uh, we did it all in one day, pretty much.
1: <laughs> Man.
2: Yeah, that... it was good.
1: That is a crazy story. And the bus- so the busking went well. So how the Canadians are, are cool with it, yeah?
2: Yeah, well, although um, you can't busk in the main street of Whistler, which I nearly found out the hard way. They were going to give me a big a big $250 fine. I was like, I'm oh. sorry, I didn't realise that. <laughs> and there's only one spot, and you have to get a real licence. And it's under this like bridge outside of town a wee bit. And uh. Uh, I just went there every day, Busk, Just busked, hit my guitar, and then went up, the mountain and just rode
1: <laughs> wow well you know did you get good feedback from that movie because i remember when you released it i i, th- I think it's an awesome movie like it's so cool
2: yeah that's it i'm gonna kind of try and kind of carry that theme for next year we've got a there's actually um there's that new trans uh, festival it's run by tweed love okay and they um i've said to me about playing on the main stage of the mountain bike festival because it's like a four-day mountain bike festival and they're having loads of music and stuff at it and so i've managed to get my a slot in there so i'm just thinking of different ways i can tie the whole music and mountain bikes together you know
1: yeah because i was wondering because you call it busk to ride whistler edition
2: yeah yeah
1: so i thought okay where's the next edition going yeah
2: that's that's what i kind of want to leave as a is your mom here? Oh, no, sorry. She's not to big mess. Yeah. Sorry, I'm you just on a wee call here. Uh, sorry.
0: You don't know what
2: she's doing about the turkey? No idea. Right, because she'll be back soon. Uh, yeah, she'll be back in about half an hour. Uh, All right, you. bye. Thank you. Sorry
1: about that, Guy. No, no bother, mate. We can we can edit that out, or I might just leave that. And that's good. Cool. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> talking about the turkey. What's
2: going on with the turkeys. <laughs>
1: um. No, I was just going to say, you know, you could actually do a series, a busk to ride series where you could busk, you know, ride and busk or busk to ride around Europe or something.
2: Yeah, yeah, because cool. that's what we thought about in a few or even the ride to play was another thing, that was, um, which would be like cycling to different locations and doing um, like different rides with different people. And mm-hmm. Documenting that, and then going and playing a gig. Yeah, uh, and there's loads of different ideas. That's the cool thing. With it, there's like loads of, loads of things you can do. It's a big open area, so.
1: Ah, it's really cool. And um, your music's very, very good, and you're super, super good on the guitar. So when did you start to play guitar?
2: I uh, started playing guitar. it was in second year in school. Uh, I always kind of had an interest. One was very, I uh, was into rock and roll and all that kind of stuff, so
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, I remember just wanting to get out of class, <laughs> and there was uh, <laughs> guitar lessons uh, during class time, <laughs> and I was like, yes, get out of class and learn guitar, great, so I did that for yeah. a while, and then got proper lessons uh, for, uh, probably only for about three months, and then just kind of self-taught from from there on out.
1: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm wow it's, it's so cool and do you just play acoustic or do you do electric as well a
2: wee bit of electric i don't have a decent electric that's that's my next buy if i can if i can save up enough money you know and um, the old the bacon eats into the funds a lot like um <laughs> but yeah i definitely want to get a good electric guitar i can i do i was mucking about all my friends one of my best mates is he's got a studio and everything at his house like and mm-hmm. um, he's got a few good electric guitars there, so I was mucking about and we're jamming out to stuff. So,
1: aye, cool, cool man, cool. And what are you doing for school, or what do you do for
0: work?
2: Well, that's it. I studied, um, I studied music for two years,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then um, I was I was working with Joe Ward at Potato Bread there for a while, uh, and then mm-hmm. I broke a wrist and I couldn't really do it anymore. So, and I did have a job there for a wee while, being a barista, but I left. I, I I got treated badly but I'll say nothing about that Okay. and uh, so now my full time is just playing music and I think I'm just going to try and stick to that Yeah. I'm flat out you know it's good I've got three gigs every weekend but the only problem is the music you can overdo it if I go and play music um, on weekends that I've raced I've did that last year and every time the race never uh, kind of was let down like i'd ever performed as well so you have to be smart about it and mm. try to get the balance right
1: yeah because the first time i met you now i don't know if you'll remember this but it was the 24-hour castle well Ah, race all
2: oh, right yes yes
1: and um i was there just to say hello to Glenn and stuff like that and um actually i remember you because you went flying i was just walking up one of the fire roads up the side of the lake and you went Absolutely booming up past, but you had went the wrong way. Yeah,
2: or <laughs> I'd went the wrong way. I was in the lead, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Caine had us. We were in second or third, and then caught up with the rest of those guys. And I was going for it, and then um, I, I, I just remember seeing a marshal standing there with his arms out both ways, and like I don't know, I just ended up going left because it seemed like because he was standing at the right hand side of the road. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, obviously that means that you need to go left. And then just went left, and that was a completely wrong way to go. <laughs> so I added on about 20 minutes on to our time.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I I knew something was up because you were going way too hard to be very early on in a in a lap.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I think possibly when you see me then, I was coming back. That's when I really lit it up then. I realised that I'd gone the wrong way for ages. And they were like, yeah, you have to go back and do it the right way. And I was like, I've been uh-huh. cycling along this for like 15 minutes. So I
1: have
2: <laughs> to absolutely gun it.
1: <laughs> I, so that, we're using a team of three, were you? <clears throat> Four
2: or five? Four or five? Five. Me, five. Michael, um, Glenn, Charlie, Uncle Charlie, and... Early,
1: Aye. And I think you were going, you were doing that 24 hour race and then you were going to play a gig yeah, going to play a gig after that. Yeah,
2: during the race and then come back from the gig and then back out on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad you're young because that is full on.
2: Yeah, that's what it's like. Like a few times I was just like playing gigs till like two in the morning and I really was cast well and I did that and then just well like, went and raced the next day. Like, think about how stupid that is. Yeah. It's <laughs> not like, the best idea. Like, but, no. you know, you have to make your mistakes while you're young. And I, it's, I'm glad I figured that kind of stuff out now. Like, it's... Yeah. Well, you know, well, you know
1: I, I'm totally into people following their passions and doing what they really enjoy and doing what they really love. But um, that's going real extreme.
2: <laughs> yeah. I know. That's how people say. It's like you have to do... Was it ten thousand hours of right. anything to be a master? So
0: yeah,
2: I'm trying to go oh, ten thousand hours of mountain biking and then ten thousand hours of music. That's <laughs> is uh, pretty much like two full time jobs all the time. So yeah, it'd be yeah. great if I could just if I could get out, like other jobs and all that kind of stuff out of the way and just try and really focus on both of those and you know mm. it would be amazing. But that's that's just the kind of dream. So I. It is able to sort of happen, like I can see it um, taking a path. Like, the music is quite good that way. You know, playing cover gigs and stuff, you can mm-hmm. you can do all right off it, but it's just all year round. If I want to race, I'm going to have to take sacrifice of not playing a good few gigs. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But
2: that's it. So well,
1: it would be really cool if you could tie something in with the wee movies and the, the racing and the music, and I think you just, you just can make it work. You know, it would be really cool. It's very different.
2: Yeah, that's a different... I haven't yeah, really cool. heard of many people playing music and riding bikes. That's no, it.
0: The next video is right.
2: going to be a, me trying to sing a song uh, with the guitar and doing a no-hand on the bike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do not
2: let yeah. long those
1: lines. <laughs> Yeah, well, just make sure your wrists are well yeah. bound up for that one. Eh? <laughs> no. um, cool. So, back to your EWS season then so you went to spain after that and then italy again is that right uh,
2: yeah i never made it to spain um right, okay. but then i went to italy yeah finale
1: yeah and how's that It looks amazing
2: absolutely amazing so good yeah. so so good uh you could live there definitely if I'm, I'm probably a bit young to think about retiring but i think that's where i would definitely want to retire it's yeah. so fun over there and you, like you just pretty much finish stages down by the sea and everything's great like it's a place you could go on a proper holiday and as well it's a place you could just go and have an absolute insane time with bikes
1: yeah yeah so what was your out of all those stages what was your favorite race what was what uh, i take it it's there in Italy.
2: uh i'm gonna actually say whistler like whistler really enjoyed i'm just i just i love whistler you know um And things sort of did did fall into place. It was just it was really tight racing, and I was happy with how I rode. So I'm going to say that was my favourite performance-wise, um, and possibly possibly location, you know, because uh, it is an absolutely amazing place. And,
1: yeah, well, you have the Whistler Village and all there, don't you? And there's loads of stores and loads of gear and good nightlife. Yeah, and,
2: exactly. Just class yeah. great food, everything. Although the one downside is it's very expensive, but. Mm. Um. Oh, that's just the way of it. But other than yeah. that, it's just it's class. But it, it and Italy, I would say, is the two favourite places. Mm.
1: Well, I think Whistler. You know, I know chatting to the guys I've had on the podcast from America and stuff, they would still say Moab's the big spot, but I think Whistler really is the capital of mountain biking now. To be honest.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, what crank works and like all it, going like there. A, yeah, anyone you talk to about mountain biking it's like oh, have you heard of Whistler and everyone's just
1: like yeah
2: mm. A-line man <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's it it's one trail everybody likes yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> classic now you're, um, you're a member of the VITAS First Tracks race team
2: yeah
1: Um, so when did that come about how did that all happen for you
2: so my first year with was was um, was with Roscoe, pretty much it was me and Roscoe's sort of own thing and then uh, it was Glenn kind of contacted me, it was Glenn and Ian Mac were sort of said about um, joining the team then because it all tied in pretty well and they needed someone else because uh, J. Mac was leaving at that time and I was just like yeah that sounds good and Roscoe was pretty much like yeah that's that's." Uh, that would be sweet, and mm. so we just went with that, and that's how that um,
1: like came about. And what kind of help does you v- guys and that there?
2: Yeah, they just uh, you sort us out with bikes and all that kind of stuff, and just kit, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously, like to what I was just talking about, like a few videos and all that kind of stuff. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, it's above and beyond, it's a really hard industry to get anything out of, so, like, I've heard of guys that are nearly in top, like, 20 in AWS, that like, still are, are only getting free bikes and stuff, which is crazy sometimes, when you think about it, like,
0: yeah. but it
2: just shows you, it's, social media seems to be a big, massive thing as well, it's, just, it's like, you can win all the races you want nowadays, but if you don't if you don't have a good social media to tell everyone that you've won the race uh, it doesn't really matter
1: yeah it's very true um because i think sponsorship wise you have to be able to show them how you can help them too
2: yeah yeah it's not just winning races it's more about being an, a good ambassador yeah and all the other wee small things that that do, do make a difference and people sometimes uh, kind of overlook those small things and I think that's really where the difference is. You know, you can be great in a bike, but uh, you have to do all the other things right too.
1: Yeah, that's true. You, you do. You, you certainly do. Because it's a, it has to be a win-win, really, you know. Um, yeah. So, and, and use guys definitely, because any time there's a race in Ireland, use guys are all over it. So it's the, you know, it's the aliens, as they say. <laughs> so that's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. Um, yeah,
2: that's, that's it, yeah, the, yeah, that's what, well, th- we're actually going up for a meeting tomorrow for, um, to talk about social media stuff up in chain reaction cycle, so me and Glenn and uh, Kato and the rest of the crew going up.
0: Aye,
1: very good.
2: So, it should be good, and I, like, it just shows you how, like, people do take it seriously, that's, that's kind of our thing, I suppose, or. We're trying to trying to push more a bit more in the media and all that kind of stuff. So, which is fun, you know, it can be fun.
1: Yeah, no, totally. It's part of it nowadays. You know, it's you just like you say, you just can't go out and ride your bike anymore. There's all these other little things you have to do um, behind the scenes, almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Cool. So tell us about what you're riding then. What's your bike at the minute?
2: Uh, the Summit CRX is the the weapon of choice. And uh, uh, this year uh, I'm going. Well, I've got a. See, as I said, the Veda skies are very nice. So give us a one to keep and then one as a loaner bike, which is mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. And um, pretty much we. So I've went for uh, a, Scarp mm-hmm. and a Summit. So and then last year I was just on two. I had a a lower spec Summit. And the higher specs, you know, that was mine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. But the, that's classic. I've never tried out, only on the odd photo shoot. I've tried out the, the Scarp, So, it looks really sick this year with the fox and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's definitely working because anytime you're on a trail at home up around Dava or anywhere. You know, Vitus are that's the bait you see the most. Yeah, a yeah, they're really.
2: Is there like, they're really good prices as well? I suppose for their um, for their spec, but yeah, definitely it's it just shows it's working. Like, it, in fairness to the guys, they invest a lot into at home, like because the Southern Series is sponsored by Vetus, and we're we're mm-hmm. sponsored and got the likes of Roscoe there and everything, and it just shows you how much that's working, you know. Um, yeah. Which is great, like, it's just so cool to see, it's, it's great that they're investing at home, rather than, like, they, they probably could be investing elsewhere, but we wouldn't get the half of the stuff, you know?
1: Um, yeah, no, it's very true, it's very true, and the work they put into the trails and everything else. Yeah, like exactly, amazing you know so no it's all good it's all good so i I suppose you have a few other sponsors and stuff there as well um if you want to give them a shout out like what what kind of helmet are you using and stuff like that um
2: we don't have a helmet sponsor this year i'm just using 100 percent, and then i've got my own troy lee one Um, Mm -hmm. and we'll see for next year hopefully we'll get something lined up now we haven't got anything confirmed so um but they, I actually had another one. it was like a ticketing company. It was a guy I was coaching for a while that sorted that out called prime seats um, right. and that, um, that was sick to just help from the uh, some all my entries and all that kind of stuff so uh, yeah and that's my own personal thing like and then mm. there's a few there's a few other obviously Vitus first tracks themselves and then spin 11 um, uh, Raceface. Uh mm-hmm. Silverfish. There's a few brilliant ones out there like the helpless loads, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you WTB, need all those wee W T V is a massive one, like I would say that's mm. the next biggest one after Vitus, you know, because they sort us out with tires and all that kinda of stuff and how mm. much that helps out for years, is unbelievable. So big thanks to those guys.
1: Yeah, cool man, cool. So if you um if you could have any piece of kit at all what would you What would you like?
2: As far as on my bike or on my body or what?
1: I just you know like a new helmet or is there anything that you've seen that you would really really like or goggles or a certain pair of shoes or is there anything at all?
2: Ooh, hard to say. There's a lot of um, super cool things out there at the moment, isn't there?
1: Uh, aye. You know what the biggest you know what the biggest answer to that question is? What GoPro
2: GoPro <laughs> Yeah yeah. Do you know what I wouldn't definitely, Some of those new Hero sevens, so you know, they are insane. Actually, I would definitely go for. I Probably would go for that, but uh, I'll because everyone says it. I'll maybe I'll go for something else. Wait. <laughs> that. I suppose your head's pretty important, isn't it? Um, it is. Uh, lid wise, I, I really like those new Fox, the new Fox um, Enduro kind of lids. Like they're they look pretty cool. I have to say. Aye,
1: aye. Some of this Fox stuff's amazing looking. Yeah, even is. their
2: kit and everything is uh, is pretty bang on. Like.
1: Aye, they're they're well in anyway. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. So, you, you uh, you're only nineteen. You're doing it all. You're you're doing it all you're burning from both ends (laughs) they say yeah Uh, so what if you had to put it down to a a couple of things or one thing what would you say your best experience on a mountain bike is jack
2: best experience on a mountain bike would um, possibly be the EWS in Ireland I think last year when I got the ninth because I I Uh was I was like top. I was like goal was top ten, and then I was like, if I'm really really good, it would be like um, fifth. And I remember training super hard, and uh, I had one crash. Uh, and it was on stage two, and I'd lo- I reckoned I'd lost about ten seconds or so, and I think I was I was literally nine seconds off being fifth. It was so tight because it was only like twenty minutes of racing, which is it's still a long time, but for an EWS, mm-hmm. that's not a lot. Um, and yeah. i remember being like nine seconds or whatever off fifth and then coming ninth and i was just like so stoked um because i didn't even practice on the second day actually lashed all day and i just didn't practice and then i got away a bit nervous and all that night I was like i should have practiced should have practiced and uh, it, everything just sort of clicked together and everyone's going crazy as well there's loads of fans and obviously at home everyone knows your name so you're beating down tracks and and we just go on Jack, go on, Jack And they're just like Yeah So yeah, that's probably one of my best experiences on a bike, I would say. I've had a lot of amazing experiences I have to say, like um but yeah that, that kinda stands out to me. I, I would say that um Ulster Champs and Restriver as well. I was mm-hmm. so happy after that. Like it was just an amazing day riding my bike and everything just pieced together. That feeling when everything was pieced together and all goes well is it's, it's a feeling you strive for, you know, when you're out on your bike, so... Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And, you know, for the likes of those things, do, do you and Glenn and Nathan and all, do you just talk much about tyre choice and suspension setup and all? Do you just get into that much?
2: Yeah, all the time, all the time. Um, tire choice, definitely, it's always, a, it's always a big thing. It's your only contact with the ground, so... Um, now we we like the vigilantes on the because we all run WTP, so it's good we we all know what we're
0: mm-hmm. there's a
2: couple of different options out there now um tire choice, even pressure and all that kind of stuff and yeah um suspension doesn't change a wild lot I wouldn't say like when it gets muckier, sometimes you run it a wee bit wee bit softer and um then from there it's just kind of working with your compression mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that wouldn't be the biggest, um, the biggest thing, but definitely there's a lot to talk about. You know, every uh, even setting up in corners and just the way to think about tracks. Like, is is the attack more this bit, or do you, do you relax more here? And that we have those conversations, which is a really really good thing. You know, uh, yeah. as far as the team bouncing off each other. But well, that's the cool thing about ourselves as well. We all we all want each other to do well, you know. And um, mm-hmm. like if we want to be beat by anyone, it's each other. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No. Totally. Is there, is there a tight netic group? You can see that for sure. Yeah. You know, it's cool to see. It's cool. Are you going to go out and visit Nathan out in
2: Malley? Yeah. That, that was my plan. I was uh, I had planned to go visit Nathan. Um. Well around this kind of time, January time, I was going to go out and do two weeks' training or so, but we'll see how we get on once we get the wrist better and hopefully get out to for a few weeks before the race season kicks off.
1: Aye, aye, cool. I'm going to try and get a couple of guys to go with me over from Malta here. Oh, yes. And take them over, and um, I would love to ride over there. It looks amazing.
2: Oh, unreal. Nathan, had to, we went over yeah it was nearly two years ago now um we went over and nathan was pretty much our guide and he knows the crack over there like and mm. as you know nathan's a super fun dude with tons and tons of talent
1: Aye, yeah definitely i i'm looking forward to it i haven't booked it yet with him but i'm looking forward to it yeah <laughs> um cool so jack watch before i let you go because i know you're going to play a gig tonight yeah going to play um, some
2: music Play go a few man. Christmas tunes.
1: <laughs> oh no! Uh, <laughs> what's your Have you any goals set for 2019? What would you like to achieve? Yeah,
2: so in 2019 is my last uh, season in under twenty one, so I want to try and make a real good go at that. Um, yeah, I do. Like again, I'm still under twenty one, so I just want to try and win as much as uh, much of that kind of stuff as possible. And then as far as EWS, it's it's like. Um, I would love to get, really, really love to get, it would take a lot of hard work, is to get a top five overall mm-hmm. or in the under-21 category because it's super competitive now. It's way, it's much more than even what it was two years ago, but I'd say it's just going to take tons and tons of work, and hopefully I can get recovered right from this injury, and if I can take all the right steps, then I don't see why not, you know, but mm-hmm. it's just a, a, a matter of everything piecing together on the day. And being been in that right frame of mind, you know.
1: I it, it really is one of those sports, isn't it? Because there's so much can go wrong.
2: Oh, exactly. It's crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. And it's, yeah, it's not so much of it's in your mind because... Um,
1: yeah. And I suppose even weather conditions, you know, some people like it dry, some people yeah. like it wet, you know, and you get a wee bit of rain when you're at the top and then halfway down it's dry and
2: yeah even you know, like just... i think greg is your your prime example of that like he just shows you you know he just what people always recognize about him is how optimistic he is he's never like oh this is crap that's crap or whatever he's just always like oh stoked let's ride the bike and whenever it comes to the wet weather he's like oh yeah do this right in the wet all the mm-hmm. time at home great and he's just
0: mm-hmm. happy
2: as Larry getting out there and that's why it seems he, he, if it's wet he'll he'll excel you know but yeah. when it's dry as well he's flat out It's super dusty he doesn't let he doesn't be like oh I'm from Ireland when it's dry I can't really ride he just he gets the head down and does it it's
1: ah uh, it's cool
2: yeah exactly
1: it really is, and um, there's no point chatting to you about training or anything like that because I know you guys are at it all the time. These are always out in the bikes. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: training. This I suppose the, like the ideal thing you want to be doing this time of year is getting out your road bike and building up your strength, and then mm. from there you kind of work on your explosive stuff. But for me, I'm kind of I'm getting out the road bike there uh, recently. I've got out with Glenn uh, once or twice and. Got a wee turbo there at home, so it can still, you know, it can still spin my legs, so I'm not losing everything. Um, but it'll just it'll be everything else is prolonged, but I suppose my first race of EWS anyway isn't until May, so it kind of still gives me a good block to work with.
0: Yeah, so I'm looking cool, forward man. to
2: getting back in the gym. That's the thing. I'm going to be super uh, motivated now, you know, whereas if I had started training there in November, which I probably would have, um probably by this time I'd be like, ugh, I'm fed up mm-hmm. with
1: this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how you feel, actually, when it comes racing season, you know. Um, yeah. With do, doing a wee bit less gym work or whatever, or just timing it slightly different because of your wrist, it might be quite interesting.
2: Yeah, it could be interesting to see. I could start off slow, and then maybe I'll be my peak will be at a different time, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to know. I'll never know until I get there, so all I can do is put the hard work in and uh, make sure that I'm doing everything right.
1: Cool, man. Cool. Well, listen, how can people best keep up to date and stay in contact with you and figure out what's happening with you and where you're at and stuff?
2: The biggest thing I would say is Instagram, because you have the stories and all that kind of stuff, which is amazing. So you get me on uh, Jack Devlin, 099 and then mm-hmm. Facebook as well you get me on Jack Davin Racing or Jack Davin Music if you want to check out a couple of gigs, so we're playing all over at the moment uh,
1: Very cool man
2: Yeah, I'd say that's the best places to get me
1: Alright, well here, thanks so much dude for coming on, it was, yes. it was great to have a chat to you and figure out where you're at with your wrist and everything else so.
2: Not a bother, thanks very much Garth, and uh, absolutely class to be on the podcast, you're doing amazing things
1: so no bother I'll thank you so much you i will hear good luck for 2019 and um i hope everything goes well and I'll, i keep an eye on all you guys so um keep her keep her you know keep her blasting down them trails yes not a bother i hope to see you soon good luck all right dude Bye. thanks jack folks that's a wrap for number 69 i hope you enjoyed that and jack thanks so much for coming on the podcast it was awesome to chat to you dude and finally get you on the show and i hope everything goes well for you in 2019 and i wish you all the best with the recovery on the wrist and um, i will definitely keep an eye on you and see how you're getting on and stuff uh, because i'm sure you're going to have an exciting season ahead so good luck bro good luck Now, folks, if you want to get in contact with Jack or you want to find out a wee bit more about the man, you can simply go to mtb trycom and go to the show notes for Jack's episode. You will find that simply by searching for episode number 069. You will get links there to Jack's video and a couple of past videos he's done also. And there's links there to his social media accounts and stuff so you can quickly get in contact Another way to help the show is if you listen via iTunes, you can simply subscribe and leave a review there. Five stars is always the best, of course. (laughs) And uh, share with friends, please. Word of mouth is the best way to get the show out there. Get people off the sofa and onto the saddles and get out on the trails. If you listen via Stitcher, Podbean and Spotify, thanks so much as well. The downloads for those accounts are really good. So thanks again. Now you can find us on socials, we are on instagram and we are on facebook both at mtb tribe and if you want to get a wee bit more involved in the podcast you can subscribe to the show just simply go to mtb-tribe.com you can subscribe there and you will get one email a week you won't be bombarded by junk mail or anything like that it's simply an email letting you know who's coming on the show Quick link to the episode and a little synopsis about what we will be chatting about. So, thanks for your support, folks. Over 2018 it has been a really exciting year for myself and for the podcast, and um, I hope to continue this well into 2019 and onwards. So, thanks for your support throughout the year. I hope you all have a good one. And before you bag off, just a little word from Ben, this episode's sponsor. I just want to say a massive thanks to Ben at the Strength Factory for sponsoring this episode. I really do appreciate it. Now, the work Ben does is really awesome. And he's got loads of previous experience. And if you want to find out a wee bit more about that, just head on over to the podcast's website, mtb-tribe.com go to the show notes and you can search for episode number 051 or simply search for the strength factory Um, we had ben on the podcast chatting about what he does how he helps mountain bikers and you can find out a wee bit more about the man and the strength factory it is still one of the best downloaded episodes of the podcast so there's loads of good information in there if you want to find out a wee bit more about ben and how he can help you enjoy the trails that wee bit more so once again, if you're looking to get fitter and better on the bike, just head over to thestrengthfactory.uk and check out how Ben's new program can help you keep focused and doing the correct type of exercises in the gym for the bike all year long. It sounds awesome to me, so check that out, folks. And don't forget that Ben has very kindly offered MTB Try podcast listeners 50% off their January subscription so simply enter the promo code Tribestrong at checkout that's Tribestrong T-R-I-B-E-S-T-R-O-N-G all lowercase the offer expires on the 31st of January 2019 so please do that soon and get 50% off your January subscription thanks again folks for being here and thanks for all your support in 2018 and I hope to bring you loads more exciting episodes in 2019 So, for now, stay safe in the trails, and I will speak to you next week for another episode of the MTV Tribe podcast.